We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The FBI arrests two men accused of running a police station for the Chinese Communist Party in New York City. They have been active within the borders of our country, from New York to California to Florida. The battle between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Disney is heating up. The agreements purported to be entered into by Disney uh, are revoked. McDonald's tweaking its burger recipe. If you are going to spend the money on a burger, I mean, you want that cheese to be warm. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, April 18th. I'm Mike Scott. According to reports, the FBI arrested two men who allegedly ran a police station for China in New York City. The station was said to be used as a base to track Chinese dissidents living in the United States. Believe it or not, this is not even close to the first time that this has happened um, in, around the world. This is, uh, this is a part of Chinese tradecraft, and the Justice Department today has announced a massive case. They've arrested these two individuals and indicted them. They've also charged 46 others, including many Chinese state security operatives, with a huge scheme to target dissidents around the world and in the United States, Chinese dissidents, um, and harass them and take action against them. The Justice Department calls this transnational repression. And oh, by the way, as part of this, they're also trying to allegedly manipulate U.S. public opinion using fake accounts on social media. What's so remarkable about this is this is essentially the U.S. accusing the Chinese government of committing crimes in the United States. I mean, they've done it before with hacking and some other kinds of things, but and you're right, the idea of a secret police station, it goes to the question, the Chinese government believes that they have authority over Chinese all over the world and whether they're American citizens, U.S. residents or not, and the Justice Department taking firm action today to say that actually no, they don't, and they can't violate U.S. law. The station was allegedly set up in February of 2022 and operated as part of a campaign of transnational repression against Chinese pro-democracy activists. Breon Peace is the U.S. District Attorney for New York and announced the arrests. Today we are announcing three impactful cases from my office in our nation's fight against the People's Republic of China's transnational repression activities. The first two criminal complaints that I am announcing shed further light on the extent of the PRC government's efforts to project its authoritarian worldview on the residents of this city and this country. The two complaints charge more than 30 officers with China's national police force which is called the Ministry of Public Security, or the MPS, and two New York City residents with violations of U.S. law. P says the Chinese are violating U.S. sovereignty with these covert police stations. Unlike typical officers, the MPS officers who have been charged today are not focused on preventing crime. 
Rather, the complaints charge these MPS officers with engaging in transnational repression schemes targeting members of the Chinese diaspora community in New York City and elsewhere in the United States. And as shown in these complaints, the MPS has repeatedly and flagrantly violated our nation's sovereignty, including by opening and operating a police station in the middle of New York City. Legal experts say this is not the only covert police station of its kind around the world. According to U.S. intelligence, the Chinese Communist Party runs many police stations like the one in New York City. And they're used as a means to intimidate and harass Chinese people around the world. These arrests are the first time a sovereign government has busted one of these secret police rings. Michelle Rigby Assad is a former CIA operative and says that it may shock many Americans, but China has been working inside of the United States for some time. This is a huge deal, Nicole, because up until now, the Chinese have largely been operating with impunity. And that, that might uh, surprise a lot of Americans because we think of them as using being proficient with cyber operations. But they have been active within the borders of our country from New York to California to Florida. Taking a look at how this covert CCP station was allowed to operate, Assad says that simply American intel is great at finding terrorists, not so much at finding flagrant abuses of U.S. sovereignty like this. You know, I think that, that we're having to educate ourselves on what Chinese intelligence operations look like. So we're really good at finding terrorists, but we haven't been able to pivot very well and understand because it's so brazen and it's right in front of our, our faces. The Chinese have been very good at taking advantage of our democracy and our very open society, our preference for diversity and inclusion. And so I think that's a, re a big reason why we haven't noticed a lot that, that's been going on right in front of us. Assad explains how these CCP-run police stations are able to force some Chinese immigrants to work for them. It's much easier to prosecute on a technicality. It's harder to prosecute uh, complex intelligence operations. But the kinds of things that the Chinese regime has been doing um, to people that disagree with it and those dissidents is oftentimes they'll find their family members in China and they'll say, if you don't cooperate with us, we're going to you know, fire them. They're, we're going to make their children's lives in school. They're going to take away their opportunities. They might even put them in prison camps or under house arrest. And so a lot of people are intimidated, um, extorted, blackmailed into cooperating with the Chinese government because they're so concerned about their friends and family back home. Looking ahead, Assad believes that the Chinese will be upset about the arrest, but the U.S should still prosecute the alleged Chinese police. Definitely outrage. There's going to be a lot of saber rattling, and they're going to seem very upset about the whole thing. We're probably going to see additional meetings that they're going to have with Russia to upset us. But that's okay. Like, we just need to be stand strong and say, this is not okay. We're going to investigate, investigate and prosecute, and uh, we can't care too much about the saber rattling. Currently, there are still dozens of Chinese police stations in cities around the world, covertly carrying out surveillance and harassment. The alleged stations were mostly in Europe, 
with nine in Spain, four in Italy, three in France, two in the Netherlands, and three in the United Kingdom in London and Glasgow, where their operations have been under police investigation. Three others were in Canada, where the alleged operations helped add to the growing political tensions between Ottawa and Beijing. The U.S. Supreme Court will announce further action this week on the future of an abortion drug. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Clugston has more on this developing story in the nation's capital. In a temporary move last week, Justice Samuel Alito ordered that the lower court rulings on the abortion pill Mifepristone be put on hold until Wednesday. Pro-life groups who originally brought their lawsuit in Texas have until Tuesday afternoon to respond to the Justice Department's emergency request that there be no restrictions on the pill during litigation. The high court then is expected to announce what it decides by midweek. Greg Clugston, Washington. Ready for round three? The battle between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Disney continues as DeSantis announced that lawmakers in the Sunshine State will revoke the last-minute development agreements that cut out the authority of the government-controlled board. The state legislature back in February created a law that put in a new board there, basically stripping away Disney's selected supervisors and putting in hand-picked board members from Governor DeSantis. But before that went into effect, Disney effectively made a deal with itself. That board, which is elected by landowners in the area, and those landowners are Walt Disney employees, friends, and family members, with the corporation itself to extend their authority to basically run this self-governance into the next several decades. Well, DeSantis said, that's not going to fly. And he said, on Wednesday, the board is going to meet and nullify that. And if that's not enough, the state legislature will create its own law, which would supersede whatever Disney had done. However, Democrat State Representative of Florida, Anna Escamani, says the move from Governor DeSantis is clearly retaliatory and should simply focus on Floridians. We need Governor DeSantis to let it go and move on, focus on solving real problems. All of his proposals today once again demonstrate that this has nothing to do with corporate accountability and everything to do with trying to attack Disney because they made him mad when they defended LGBTQ plus Floridians. According to the announcement, DeSantis says he has authorized state agencies to increase regulatory oversight of Disney operations, such as the monorail system and amusement rides. He suggested the DeSantis-controlled oversight board could sell the Disney-run utility and negotiate with the state to use the company's land for other purposes. Florida's governor says that his state will not allow any corporation to act as though they have their own system of law. As a state, as a people, through the medium of our elections, uh, that we would not have one corporation uh, serving as its own government. DeSantis says the bill in the state legislature is simply upholding the will of Floridians. There is a bill uh, that will be put out in the Florida legislature uh, that will make sure that the agreements purported to be entered into by Disney uh, are revoked and the people's will is established and is upheld. While there are many businesses across the state of Florida, DeSantis says it's high time Disney plays by the same rules as 
any other corporation in his state. As a state, uh, we've got a lot of competitors that, that are treated differently, a lot of businesses and individuals treated differently, so we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure uh, that, that Disney lives under the same laws as everybody else. DeSantis explains why he believes that what Disney is doing is undermining Floridians. It's basically like a legal fiction. They negotiated with it, with themselves to give themselves the ability to maintain their self-governing status. Now, that's in direct defiance of the will of the people of Florida. The announcement comes two days before the newly named Central Florida Tourism Oversight District Board of Supervisors is scheduled to review a new proposal to strengthen its authority over planning, zoning, and land development regulations for the special taxing district that operates the 39-square-mile property on which Walt Disney World exists. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, says she will not go along with an effort by Democrats to temporarily replace Dianne Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on the brewing controversy involving Senator Feinstein's seat. The effort to find a temporary replacement comes at Feinstein's request as she staves off calls from inside the party to resign. That's because her absence on the Judiciary Committee leaves Democrats short of the numbers they need to advance Biden nominations. That's exactly why Senator Blackburn says she won't go along with the idea of a temporary replacement. She wrote on Twitter, quote, Joe Biden wants the Senate to rubber stamp his unqualified and controversial judges to radically transform America. Democrats will have to muster 60 votes to confirm a replacement. Bob Agner reporting. The burger you love at McDonald's is about to get an upgrade. The fast food giant announcing Monday it will update its recipes for the Big Mac, the McDouble Burger, Cheeseburger, Double Cheeseburger, and the Humble Hamburger. Yahoo Finance's Dave Briggs explains what these upgrades are going to look or perhaps taste like. If you were loving McDonald's already, it may be in for a big-time quality upgrade. The company announcing today some small but tasty improvements to the Big Mac, McDouble, and all their burger items. The updates include softer buns, cheese melted to perfection, onions added on the grill, not after the fact, and more of everyone's favorite Big Mac sauce in every bite. Not much of an investor story. Uh, the stock, not much movement on this action, but some good news. Yeah, up just a bit. It was hovering around the neutral point all day long. But for customers of McDonald's, certainly some good news. And the marketing story here, the, the Hamburglar is back. He's back in the marketing profile, which excites me very much. Innes Farrar, also from Yahoo Finance, says that these changes reflect the current economic environment across the United States. I think this is important because, look, people are tightening their belts. They are watching what they spend on, as I mentioned earlier. And even in this price point, even when you're talking about McDonald's, because we know that the prices have been going up across the board, across all restauranteurs. And so if you are going to spend the money on a burger, you want it to be... I mean, you want that cheese to be warm. You want the onions to be grilled. The change was first introduced in international markets, including Australia, Canada, 
and Belgium, where McDonald's says their new recipes received rave reviews. The updated recipe is currently being offered on the West Coast in the following cities, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Sacramento, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Denver, among others. By early 2024, the changes will be available nationwide. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is pledging to pass legislation to raise the nation's debt ceiling. More on this battle from Capitol Hill from our Daybreak Insider, Ed Donahue. Speaking on Wall Street, McCarthy said it would pass only on condition of capping future federal spending increases at 1%. I will not raise taxes. I will not pass a clean debt ceiling. It just won't pass. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer wants to hear McCarthy's plan. He went all the way to Wall Street and gave us no more details, no more facts, no new information at all. McCarthy lashed out at President Biden for refusing to engage in budget-cutting negotiations, saying the longer he waits to find an agreement, the more likely it becomes that this administration will bumble into the first default in our nation's history. The Treasury Department has said money could run short this summer. I'm Ed Donahue. Scientists say many North American bats are in serious trouble, and that is not good news for our ecosystem. Our Daybreak Insider Rich Thomason has more on this story from Washington. A report by experts from the U.S., Canada, and Mexico says more than half of the continent's 154 bat species are at risk of severe population decline in the coming 15 years. Many have been devastated by an invasive fungal disease. Other threats are said to include a loss of habitat from logging and urban sprawl. There are also collisions with wind turbines. Rich Thomason reporting. And finally... After 35 years, 13,981 shows, the longest-running musical on Broadway, The Phantom of the Opera, had its curtain call on Sunday. When Phantom of the Opera debuted at Broadway's Majestic Theater in 1988, American audiences had never seen anything like it. With a soaring score by Andrew Lloyd Webber and gloriously gothic staging, the story centers on a disfigured, mask-wearing musical genius living in the Paris Opera House who becomes dangerously obsessed with a young soprano. In its 35-year New York run, Phantom sold some 20 million tickets, earning more than a billion dollars. But when the pandemic shut Broadway down, the show never fully recovered. After its reopening in 2021, ticket sales waned. That, along with rising production costs, prompted the producers to announce its closure. Legendary musical composer Andrew Lloyd Webber dedicated the final show to his son, Nick, who died last month after a protracted battle with gastric cancer and pneumonia. Nick Webber was 43. The musical was able to withstand war, terrorism, and turbulent economic climates. However, it seemed that the lockdowns due to COVID was something the beloved musical could not survive. Generally, musical theater has taken a beating during and 
after the pandemic, with only a few shows like Hamilton, The Lion King, and Wicked able to rebound. But others, like The Phantom of the Opera, have struggled to bring back an audience that was barred from the theater for over two years. Alan Lampel, the production's head electrician, has worked on musicals for decades, and he's heartbroken to see it go. This has kind of been my home away from home. It's sad to see it go. It's been such a uh, big part of my life. What do you think you're going to miss the most? Taking care of the show. It really is a fine piece of art, and I've been blessed to have it under my, in my hands for all these years. Howard McGillan played the Phantom longer than anyone and says while he is grateful for the opportunity, he thought he would never see the day when the Phantom would end. The darkness of the music of the It's a challenge to play this role because it's, it's, it's physically and emotionally very, very intense. There's a lot of physical climbing of ladders backstage and dropping through trap doors, but then there's this emotional intensity of the role that is exhausting, but thrilling at the same time. While Broadway will no longer show the Phantom of the Opera, fans can still catch it worldwide. There are productions in Japan, Greece, Australia, Italy, South Korea, and one is said to be opening soon in Bucharest, Romania. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.